This is The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television. Welcome to The Creator Revealed. My name's Tim Standish, and I'm a scientist. One of the major questions that gets raised with me on a regular basis is, how can you be a scientist and believe the Bible? What's, what's going on there? And that is what we are going to examine a little bit in this particular episode of The Creator Revealed. Well, I'm Shelley Quinn, and we are so glad that you are joining us. And it is wonderful to be with someone who has so much education and experience in science, and yet who is a Bible-believing, six-day creationist. <laughs> so we look forward to this episode. You know, sometimes I respond to that question with, well, why wouldn't I believe the Bible? The Bible is a book about reality. And as a scientist, hey, reality, that's what I am interested in. You know, wait, I just want to comment on that because yeah. so many people don't see the reality of it all. But there is, you know, when you look at the internal evidence, the, as far as it's the cohesiveness of the story, when you look at the external evidence, when you look at the, the Dead Sea Scrolls, when you look at what uh, the archaeologists are uncovering that continually prove, there's so much that proves that, that the Bible is real. Well, yes, you know, the, the, the Bible uh, presents itself as a book about reality and a record of history. You know, when, when, we talk, when we talk about the creation account that's given there, it is laid out just like the rest of the history in the Bible. And as you pointed out, the science of archaeology has certainly um, uh, presented us with uh, pretty amazing yes. evidence uh, that that history is, is very, very reliable. And there's more than that. This history that's given in Scripture is, it is, hopeful history. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's not history that you wouldn't want to believe. It's, it's not gloom and doom or something. It's not saying we're all going to die and that'll be the end or anything like that. There is this beautiful history that's laid out, the past, the present, and the future that's there. But it's not a kind of airy-fairy theological book, really, um, <laughs> even though we, we, we tend to think about it that way. No, it's about the facts. It's about what people saw happen. It's a record Empirical of God's evidence. action throughout history. You can certainly think about it that way. And by the way, I would certainly be happy to believe other historical sources. For example, if I went to Egypt and, and there was a pyramid with something that said, I, the Pharaoh who built this, did these great things, I'd tend to believe that. Well, why would I treat the Bible as a less reliable historical resource than some pharaoh bragging about himself. Well, let's launch into this. And I want to start to illustrate this point with 
1 John 1 through 3. Let's just look at what's being said here by the Apostle John. He says, that's that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands, uh, sorry, looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. Eyewitness account. <laughs> Eyewitness account. Science is about empirical evidence or empirical data, stuff that has been observed with our senses, what we have seen, what we have heard. Science is built off that foundation. The Bible is built off exactly the same foundation. Um, people say the Bible isn't a book of science. Well, why isn't it? It's about empirical observation. And certainly that is true when it comes to the case of uh, the, the situation with Jesus Christ and the resurrection and so on. I've highlighted these different words on the screen here. All these words that have to do with our empirical senses. Um, yeah, John is really into this. I, John, saw things in, in Revelation. He says, that's the Bible. Now, I, I want to point out that not all belief systems are like this. And I want to be careful about it. This is not to put other belief systems down. I'm just saying other belief systems are built off a different understanding of reality. So I want to give you this example um, uh, from the Hindu faith. Uh, this is in one of the um, uh, important books for Hindus. It says, just as the world and its creation are mere appearances, a moment and an epoch are also imaginary, mm -hmm. not real. You see, in this particular view of things, what we take in through our senses is an illusion. Mm. But in the Christian faith, we say, no, 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 no. What we take in through our senses is a reliable um, uh, that's reliable information about the world in which we live. Very, very different things. Can you see why it is that science was built off this kind of foundational understanding that Christians have? I don't want to say that because people were Christians, they became scientists, but certainly Christianity provides that metaphysical foundation that is necessary to and do science. tangible evidence. Yes. Evidences. So here's an example. Francis Bacon is one of the founders of modern science. And he wrote this. He said, to conclude, therefore, let no man out of weak conceit of sobriety or an ill-applied moderation Think or maintain that a man can search too far or be too well studied in the book of God's word or in the book of God's works, divinity or philosophy, but rather let men endeavor an endless progress or proficience in both. Amen. 
Man, this is old English, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Francis Bacon lived hundreds of years ago, but he laid out this philosophical foundation that sort of moved in the direction then of the way we understand science today. You can see he is not discounting the Bible or the creation, <laughs> the, 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 the nature itself. Yes. He's saying, hey, these things go together in some way and we can understand them, we should do them. Um, oh, Kepler. Um, one of the fathers of modern uh, astronomy, he, he, he was a, a priest. <laughs> he was a priest, um, uh, basically. Um, I believe he was Catholic. Okay. Catholic. Right. Um, and uh, so he wrote, these laws are within the grasp of the human mind. God wanted us to recognize them by creating us after his own image so that we could share his own thoughts. So as he was sort of understanding these things, figuring out all these mathematical relationships that described what was going on in the heavens, he's certainly not saying, and there is no God or anything like that, or making up arbitrary rules about, well, we can't bring God into things. The opposite is true. It was his understanding of God that prompted him to move in that direction. He didn't think, oh, this is all just an illusion, so I need to be thinking about other things. Other things are more important. He's saying, no, this is important. Let's understand it. It tells us something about God. In fact, he even goes on and says, we astronomers are priests of the highest God in regard to the book of nature. Great quote. Yeah. Um, these founders of modern science were building off their Christian understanding. Why would I not do the same thing today? These, these were great, great Amen. thinkers, great men indeed. Now, I want to contrast that with this view that people think is modern. And the example I'm going to use is Jacques Monnard. He is a, uh, a, well, was a Nobel Prize winner. And he wrote this, chance alone is at the source of every innovation of all creation in the biosphere. So he's saying it's not God, it's chance. Pure chance, absolutely free, but blind at the very root of the stupendous edifice of evolution. This, this central concept of modern biology is no longer one among other possible or even conceivable hypotheses. It is today the sole mm. conceivable hypothesis. And you know, people look at that and they say, well, that's modern science. But it's not. It's ancient philosophy. This is not new. Yeah. This is not what modern science grew out of. In fact, we can go back and read Cicero, this Roman author before the time of Christ. And Cicero wrote a book called De Natura Deorum, which means on the nature of the gods. It's a dialogue between different, different people with different beliefs about the gods in the pantheon that were worshiped by Romans and others. And he has here uh, one of these, uh, these philosophical views, the Epicurean view, and this is what the Epicurean philosopher says. He says, for he who taught us all the rest, that's a guy named Epicurus, has also taught us that the world was made by nature without needing an artificer to construct it. And that the act of creation, which according to you cannot be performed without divine skill, is so easy that nature will create, is creating, and has created worlds without number. You, on the contrary, cannot see how nature can achieve all this without the aid of some intelligence. 
Can you see, go back 2,000 years, people were saying the same thing. It wasn't because science compelled them to. This is their philosophy. Yes. Okay. And, you know, I have to say that it seems to me that as we advance, I would think that people would be changing their mind because the more science um, understands as, as they gain a greater understanding, the more complicated we see that things are. Perhaps they the didn't understand. The more wonderful it is. Yes. yes. I mean, and, and, and you see it had to be by intelligent and again, you know, design. The Bible never points us away from the evidence. Never does that. I love this text in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which also easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is a beautiful, beautiful thought. We are not, we're not believing by blind faith. The witnesses are out there. We have the witness that's recorded in Amen. Scripture. We have the witness in the creation that testifies to this wonderful creator God Amen. who, amazingly enough, loves us and cares about his wayward uh, creation. So what can we, what, what's revealed about this? Well, the Creator is revealed in the biblical worldview that serves as the foundation of science. His value of logic is clear in the logical way by which nature works. His value of our senses is clearly revealed in the accuracy with which we can gather empirical data. He wants us to go out there and look at and understand this, this creation, and we can do it through scientific study. Amen, amen. And Romans 1.20 says that God's invisible attributes, the things about God with which we cannot see with our own my eyes, have been revealed in the things that He has created. So the Creator is revealed in his creation. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment with the special guests. Welcome to the Minute That Makes a Difference. I'm Margot Marshall. What difference would it make if you drank enough water? Would you believe that not drinking enough water could be as harmful to your heart as smoking? This finding came from the Adventist Health Study involving more than 20,000 Californian Seventh-day Adventists. Researchers found that men who drank five or more glasses of water every day had just half the risk of fatal coronary heart disease compared with those who drank only two glasses of water. But, wait for it, they found that people who replaced some of the water with other fluids, such as fruit juice, milk or soft drinks, didn't receive the same protection. So learn to love water. It makes a difference. Well, welcome back to The Creator Revealed. We've been talking about Bible truths and science. And how can a scientist truly believe in the Bible? Well, we have a special guest with us for this segment, and he's going to address that. Yes, we're, we're meeting with Dr. Leonard Brand. Um, he has been a leader among um, 
scientists at Loma Linda University, uh, which is a Christian university um, in California for many, many years. He's author of the book Faith, Reason, and Earth History. So this is something that he has given a lot of a lot of thought to. And in addition to that, he's the author of many peer-reviewed science papers. Um, in fact, right now he's involved in some very interesting uh, scientific research that has to do with geology. Uh, so let's, let's meet Dr. Brand. Hi, Dr. Brand. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to uh, talk to you this morning. You know, I think, I think what I want to do is I want to start out by, by asking you about this belief that you have in the Bible. I mean, do you, do you really believe it or, or are you sort of giving it more, you know, lip service, uh, but kind of redefining terms or something so that uh, it doesn't get in the way of the science that you do? No, I believe it uh, very much so. And it doesn't get in the way. Um, who, who knows more about geology? We, uh, us, do we know more or does God know more? Well, it's clear to me that God knows more and I, so I accept what the Bible says. Okay. And, and so when you are doing your science, how exactly, I mean, does, does the Bible really make any difference or is it sort of more a kind of moral guide in your life and you just sort of believe by faith, but does it impact your science really at all? Well, the, the science that's impacted the most by the Bible is when we're studying ancient history, whether it be biological history or geological history, um, that's when it matters a lot because the Bible tells us that the, that the history of this earth is different from what most scientists say. And so, so that's when it makes a, a lot of difference. And it gives us uh, clues about how to, how to look at the rocks, how to understand the rocks. Uh, clues that we would not have had otherwise. So, so what specifically? Like, okay, you do you do geology research. What I, I mean, in, in what way does 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 the Bible inform that? Okay, well, one of the one of the uh, geological deposits that I am studying along with colleagues uh, like our Chadwick um, is the Moenkopi Formation in Utah. And the standard explanation is that that accumulated over uh, many millions of years. Okay, well, the Bible tells me, no, it didn't happen that way. It happened much faster. And so, um, so I ask questions when I, when I look at the Moenkopi that other people are not asking. And when we do that, I notice things that it's clear that other people are not noticing. So that's really how it helps. So uh, do you want to give us some specifics? I mean, what sort of things would you notice that somebody else wouldn't really be seeing there? Uh, well, they, they, they would understand that th these layers in the Monkopi were deposited very slowly over uh, millions of years. And when we, but when we look at them, uh, we, don't, we see evidence that says, no, this had to be happened very different, much more catastrophically making uh, individual deposits of, of sediment over large areas uh, all at once, which won't happen in the modern world. And so it's different from what how scientists would interpret things. They look at, at how things happen in the modern world, how streams deposit sediments, um, how rivers deposit sediments and uh, other processes. And then they would look at the rocks 
and assume that the rocks were formed in the same way that we see processes happening today. And uh, but that's an assumption. And when we look at at the at the rocks with a biblical um, insight, we see that, that 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 evidence doesn't fit that. The evidence says this was this was deposited in not like it happens in the modern world, but something very different on a catastrophic large scale. Okay, so that that actually brings up uh, really two other uh, questions that I would have. Number one, what you're saying then is that whatever the process was that created these really widespread layers of sedimentary rock, it's different than what what we observe going on today. Um, That's right. Very different. And it, this and this is not just in this one deposit I'm talking about. It, it's uh, you find it all through um, the rocks when we look at them carefully, letting the Bible uh, suggest to us new ways of interpreting. Okay. And then then the second question then would be, well, what is it in the Bible that that suggests that there was a different some, something uniquely different going on in the past. Well, the Bible gives us a time frame since creation, about 2,000 years, and it tells us about the global flood, okay. which was not just streams depositing uh, sand and, and gravel. Uh, it was a catastrophic, very large-scale global process, and so we have to put the rocks in that context when we're studying them, and that's what gives us insights to see them differently from what other people, how other people see them. Now, I know that uh, you, you, you've mentioned this kind of gradualistic process where the, what, what we observe going on today. And um, uh, what I'm wondering is, okay, I know that that's been a widespread view among geologists for, for quite some time. It's certainly the kind of geology I was taught when I was a student. But as other scientists are looking at these and other rock layers and so on, are they also coming to similar conclusions? Are they invoking some kind of catastrophes or, or, or are the majority of geologists sort of sticking with this uh, slow, gradual, gradualistic kind of view of geology. Well, let's look at a, at a brief bit of history about this concept that you're asking. Yeah. Um, in, um, say, the 1700s and the early 1800s, most geologists were catastrophists. They saw things happening catastrophically. Uh, a, geolo a couple of geologists wrote books that changed this, and, and the primary one was uh, Lyell in, in the mid-1800s. He wrote um, a set of two books that redefined the field of geology and actually began geology as an organized science. And he didn't like this catastrophism. And so he, he uh, defined geology by saying that everything happens slowly and gradually. There are no catastrophes. And that, was the, was, um, and that dominated geology for a century. Uh, Everything happens very slowly and gradually. There are no catastrophes. Um, in, in the early decades of the 1900s, there was an independent thinking geologist who, who challenged that with the deposit he was studying in Washington State. And he, he uh, to, uh, 
even though the others ridiculed him uh, for several decades, he continued collecting data and he finally showed that yes, this deposit he was studying was formed by a catastrophe. And so that finally woke up other geologists, but it made only a small change. They still see geologic processes as happening generally slowly and gradually, but they do recognize that once in a while there, there was some kind of a catastrophe. So but they will not so, so basically what they're saying is there were several major catastrophes in the past, something, things that occurred on almost a global scale. I don't think they'd say global. Okay. This is much more local. Okay. Um, they will accept some relatively local catastrophes. Um, but and, otherwise, things have moved slowly and gradually. Okay. So basically, they're saying a big catastrophe over here, a big catastrophe over there, but no universal or no global catastrophe. They don't, they don't want to put them all together into one big thing. No, they, they don't. Actually, some of the evidence would fit that better, but, but their, their, um, their assumptions, their paradigm will not allow that. Uh, because that sounds, you know, well, put it this way. If you try to be so catastrophic that it questions the Darwinian uh, evolutionary process, the, the millions of years of evolution and geologic process, then that's a problem. They won't accept that. Okay. Well, thank you. So very much for your time. I, I guess there's probably one more question that I have, and that really has to do with what we've been talking about right now, which is, would you say that people who believe the Bible are having an influence on the wider thinking about geology, or would you say that, that people are simply being drawn by the data more towards this catastrophic kind of view? Well, when we publish papers in the scientific literature, we have to be careful what we say. We can't talk about a biblical worldview. We can't talk about anything like that. We, we present the data and uh, talk about how it specifically applies to what we're studying. And um, so in that sense, we're having influence here and there. We're not changing the way geologists think in general. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Brand. It's been a real pleasure. And thanks for the work that you're doing there at Loma Linda University. Uh, Dr. Brand's office is quite close to my own, and it's an honor to work on that campus with these, these incredible people. Thank you, Dr. Brand. You're welcome. You know, Shelley, it's, it's a common idea that scientists like Dr. Brand are a rarity. But in reality, I encounter them all the time. I believe the Bible, I do science, Dr. Brand believes the Bible, he does science, excellent science that gets published in that sort of rough and tumble world of, of publishing science papers. It's, it's not a joke. Your ideas really have to be tested very thoroughly. And, and yet, they're everywhere. And more and more scientists, I'm reading books and reading excerpts from books, that more and more scientists are coming over that there, you know, people who were atheist are now believing in the biblical account of yes. creation. If, if you can overcome this materialistic philosophy that, that we tend to get indoctrinated with, 
then it is absolutely true that the creation does point you towards the creator and, and it really does reveal the creator to us. Well, science is exciting and we are just so thankful to have these wonderful people come and share this good information with us and that you can know it isn't contradictory to believe both the Bible and have a scientific mind. Please join us next time because we're going to talk how, about how you can share the creation. been listening to The Creator Revealed, a production of 3ABN Television.